How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Snark Monkey number, I'm going to say 16. Joe Cipriano. Here we go with another episode of a guy whose voice... I know you know, and you have probably heard more times than you can even imagine. In fact, we discover right away that even I have heard it more than I can even imagine. Uh, this is a guy who has been doing, actually almost almost his entire career has been built around high-profile promos for national television. Now, he's done much more than that, but he's got a very distinctive style, a very distinctive voice, and it was something that just kind of caught this, he's got a great story about how he basically started on the road to what has become a very successful career in promo voiceover, commercial voiceover, radio imaging. Uh, and we geek out a little bit and get a little radio nerdy at one point because there was a time back in the ancient period known as the 80s. Look it up, kids, where Joe and I worked at the same radio station, the biggest radio station on the planet at the time, 102.7 KISS FM, playing the hot hits for all of Southern California. So uh, we definitely get a little nostalgic about that. But also, we get a little insight into a very particular type of work that Joe has managed to perfect and continues to try and perfect his work ethic, his attitude, his story is um, is really fun, and it's largely been documented in a book that we mentioned called "Living on Air," which is available out there in the world. So check that out, or look on the Snark Monkey site for links and stuff to that. But let's get into it. You'll recognize his voice right away. Uh, Joe Cipriano, an awesome guy, a dear friend. You know, is he a dear friend? I like to call him. I want to. I want to do that little show busy thing. A dear, dear friend, Joe Cipriano. But is he really? Has his wife and I and my wife and him have we all hung out? You know, done dinner parties, gone to galas? No. But I still feel like he's a dear, dear friend. I'm going to call him a dear friend. My dear friend, Jim. <laughs> That is not a big hint, by the way, that the Ciprianos and the Morgans need to hang out, Joe, okay? That's really, I, we're not, we, we don't like people. I'm just saying, I consider you a dear friend, despite the fact that we don't socialize at all. Well, now I'm not really sure I like you at all. All right, here he is, Joe Cipriano. Check it out. Uh, snark monkey number something. 16? Sure, let's say 16. Pretty sure it's 16. Just do music, please. to adjust that and you can wear cans if you want to or you can just talk to me like a normal human let me see 
They're, well, uh, they're cheap ass. I mean, they're not the you know the solid gold ooh, headphones you normally wear. You sound good. I know we got some. Wait, pro- wait, you got the processing. I got crap over here. No, I think you got a little oh, something on okay, you. All right, you got okay. a little something on you. I think we're pretty even. <laughs> let's let's hear a let's hear a little. Let's get a little level from you. Sunday. Wow. <laughs> on NBC. It's an all-new Heroes. Now, you've never done stuff like that. I did. I did all the dramas at NBC for about a year and a half. But you did that? I did that. That voice? Yes. Let me hear some more of that. Here. Uh, let's see. How would I do that? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, you know what? I probably heard it and didn't even recognize no, you, you. Nobody knew it was me. Not even my agents knew it was me. <laughs> did they get you the gig? <laughs> well, actually, the, the story is that uh, I was working at CBS, and CBS decided to make a change. And axed me immediately, you know, not immediately, uh, suddenly. You were on CBS for how long? Uh, I had been there since 97, and this was probably about 2005. Okay. And um, so they decided to make a change. And, I, you know, I, I was like, more than half of my income was gone. Yeah. You know, after oh. that. So I heard from a friend that NBC was looking for a drama voice. And I thought... Well, I'll give it a go, you know. So I produced a drama demo uh, in my home studio, and I put it all together, and I, I pulled copy from off the internet, and I, I, I did some, some movies that were out at the time. My daughter was a teenager. I said, what's the hottest song right now that everybody's playing? And it was uh, Hollaback. And I put Hollaback underneath oh, some Gwen of this Stefani. stuff. Oh, Gwen Stefani, okay. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I, I produced this thing with this, you know, tonight on an all-new Heroes, one man. One woman, Lair Dog. <laughs> and uh, so I, I sent it to my agent and they I, went, oh I my God. I didn't know you had that down in there somewhere. <laughs> I've never heard you do that. I did West Wing and ER. Oh my God. And a show called Heroes. And um, I'm sure I've heard you now and I didn't know that was you. It, it's, yeah. Well, let's pull up the demo right now. Okay, can we? Uh <laughs> That's where I'll insert that. Later. Exactly. Um, because- oh, shoot. We were already recording. Oh, yes. yes. No, this is all going oh, down on Let me posterity. see what happens when I do this. No, don't. Oh. <laughs> it makes you cough. The oh, cough. Yeah. it did. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Those You always wonder about those cough buttons. <laughs> this one actually is attached for a change. <laughs> it works. Oh, Joe Cipriano. Oh, Lair Dog. What can we possibly talk about that isn't already in your best-selling book, Living On Air? <laughs> Adventures in broadcasting. There's the first big plug. Okay, okay. it doesn't. It doesn't need a fanfare. You actually got a lot of attention on that. You ended up on a lot of TV doing that. Yeah, we did a lot of TV. That was fun. You really. I mean, uh, you were on what Fox News Uh, and the Fox Morning Show. Fox Morning Show, which was a really fun. They were they were a lot of fun. A lot of my friends who were extremely liberal wouldn't talk to me for a month and a half. <laughs> you, I was. And gonna, I said it wasn't about. It's not about that. I was going to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, you didn't book it. It's like, no, exactly. You had to agree to it. But, but you know what? They had a lot of fun with it. They yeah. created a, you know this idea that they were going to hide you know my identity and just hear my voice for a couple of segments <laughs> and then do a big reveal and that yeah. was fun. And I did the CBS Morning Show, which was great. And a bunch of locals, you know, like uh, in Washington D.C., the Fox Morning Show. Right. I did morning shows all over the all over the country. That was fun. Was I, I know. I saw you kept popping up on places, and yeah. I think people do have this fascination still uh-huh. for the face. Yeah. Of the guy that they hear are hearing all the it's time. Interesting. What's the thing that um, you kind of 
had to bring up all the time that was the most identifying thing about your voice for that? Oh, was it the Fox stuff? It would be Fox stuff. It would be, Sunday, it's an all-new Simpsons on Fox. Right. Followed by <laughs> King of the Hill or something like that. You know? Then, it's an all-new. You know, oh, whatever. God. Yeah. And one of my very good friends, also the very first podcast on Snark Monkey, yeah. uh, James Arnold Taylor, oh, is, boy, is the on-Fox guy. Yes, he is so good. So he you does guys the whole, balance each other out. The whole animation uh, dom- domination, domination thing. thing on Sunday night and yeah. his live show that he does about voiceover, about his voices, and about the challenges in his life is stunning. Yeah. It's amazing. Did some of that resonate with you? Because your oh. book um, your book is great. And I, I want to try and talk about something that isn't feel like you've talked about a million times because you, you do cover it in the book. But let's, let's just give the nutshell. Mm-hmm. Where were you born? Waterbury, Connecticut. All right. And <laughs> what did your parents do? My dad was a foreman at Scoville Manufacturing, mm-hmm. and my mom was a housewife. She worked early on. Uh, in uh, the uh, Peter Paul um, Candy Company oh, in really? Naugatuck, Connecticut, <laughs> on the assembly line, a la Lucy and Ethel. Yeah. She met her best friend. Her Ethel was Faye Marinelli. And my mom, whose name was Ermina, she was 16 years old and working. Uh, they would wrap candy on the on the, the line. This is a movie down. you saw and you're making all this up. <laughs> no, this is really that true. You, it's like some sort of Norman Rockwell <laughs> Well, I'm home from the candy factory, yeah, exactly. son. And when Faye, her best friend for life, uh, found out what her name was, Ermina, she said, hell, I'll never remember that. I'm just going to call you Pat. <laughs> and she was Pat for the rest of her life. My dad called her Pat. She was Aunt Pat. You know. Oh, how yeah, funny. Everybody yeah. adapted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Siblings? My bro. Yeah. My brother. Yeah. Uh, Henry. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, nine uh, nine years older than I am. I was a surprise. Oh, there. oh, I, I was just a say, bit of a surprise. That's a pretty big gap yeah, there. Right. Um, they figured, well, we're good now. Oh, <laughs> crap. Look at this guy. Oh, jeez. So, so, yeah, he, uh, he is a uh, – the interesting thing about him, he knew he wanted to get into computers – Back, we're talking. Why are you about doing the air quotes? The, well, computers in like the '60s. It was oh like, yeah, you know, it was well, there was little, mainframes that took up giant rooms. Exactly. I have pictures of him in these. He would program using key punch operators and all those key punch cards. Yeah, and uh, uh, he was working for Uniroyal, uh, Naugatuck. Yeah, Naugatuck yeah. Rubber, and they wanted to put their payroll. Uh, they wanted to computerize their payroll in 1967. 68. That's unheard of. Yeah, that's So he had to write it. Oh, they're jumping in. uh, That was a big leap forward for a major company. And then they did their invoicing that way. So he actually had to write those programs. And they would load them. There would be boxes and boxes of key cards, you know, to load in the the program. So how in the hell did you, (laughs) in that environment, become this guy? I mean, was there there any show busy? I mean, were people... Was did you have a funny well, family? Or I always there... had jazz hands. <laughs> you and, were born with those. Yes. Is that I, an affliction? Did they try and break? I don't you know. I, th- I always think it's a gift. But... <laughs> Came out of the womb going. <laughs> um, you wanted to be in show business early on. Tell I me, did, this is the but thing. I had no talent whatsoever. Oh, come on. I, no, I couldn't sing. I I couldn't do anything. So, well, I, but what was the thing? I always like to ask, and I know this is in your book, but what what was the thing that flipped the switch? What was that moment that was like, oh, right? Well, uh, I, I'll tell you one thing uh, for show and tell in third grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what I would do is I would write a play uh, every week, <laughs> and I would perform a one man show. This is how old? Uh, this was at what's third grade? I don't even know. So it was, it was like eight, nine, yeah, eight or something like that. Yeah. yeah. 
But what happened was in fourth grade, we went on a, uh, a field trip. Our, our school, our fourth graders, went to Hartford, Connecticut, to WTIC AMFM TV. Oh. At Broadcast Center or whatever they called it, you know. And you knew the station? This was the one you listened to? It, it wasn't. It was no. an old line station. But the TV station we watch, there were only two TV stations in Connecticut. TIC was the CBS affiliate and Channel 8 was the ABC affiliate. So we went to Broadcast Center and we toured, you know, the studios for TV, which I thought, wow, that's amazing. But then we were walking down the hall, much like a hall here in your beautiful broadcast center. Thank you. In lovely Sherman Oaks, with in exotic big, Sherman Oaks, California. Big windows like this. Yes, and, and all of them uh, closed to protect your privacy. That's true. Thank I don't you. Want, I don't want I appreciate mobs that. of your fans staring at you to distract you. <laughs> We were standing in the hallway. There's a speaker in the ceiling, and we hear these two guys, you know, just telling jokes and having a great time. I turn around, look through the window. There are two guys on the AM, on the radio station, uh, just having a blast and waving at us kids, you know, outside the window in the hallway. And I couldn't take my eyes off of them, and I noticed all the girls in the class couldn't take their eyes. <laughs> okay, off I, thought, oh, I this see. Might be something. So while I thought, wow, that TV thing is is really cool. This. Now, this I think I can do. This would yeah. be fun. Radio stations have always had, for people who saw them for the first time, and I think they still, to a certain extent, do, because they're not really shown that much. You don't have, uh, I mean, we had WKRP, I mean, but you don't have this kind of real, uh, common uh, visualization of what radio stations look like right. and what's going on, and it still has a, enough of that theater of the mind that yes. it feels like a magical place. It and does. it certainly does mm-hmm. in that era as a kid oh. when you never really understood how it was coming out of that no, little I, box. I thought the jingles, you know, WWCO, that there were a group of people, you know, <laughs> at, they're the, singing. at the station singing. You sure. Know? I figured that's how that works, you know. <laughs> They're always hanging around. I got that down. Yeah, and when you see, I mean, any kid, if you were like me, any any kid that looks and sees a bunch of flashing. Larry, nobody is like you. No, I nobody. think a lot of people are like really? me. Okay. Yeah, they just don't want to admit it. <laughs> but you start seeing those flashing lights and all the buttons, and you're yes. just like, I, oh. I, I don't know what any of those do, but I want to start. You know what? That was one of the really, the, 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 big, the big draw was, wow. You know, working on all this yeah. kind of stuff. It's a visceral yeah. thing. It's like, Beautiful. ooh, it's like, it lo- yeah. almost looks like you can, you're flying a rocket ship. Back then, you had to go and get your third-class license from the FCC. <laughs> That's right. Did you have a third-class license? I actually was in the process of having to study for yeah. whatever freaking test they had. Right. In, what was it, 19... 19- Maybe you remember this. I, I applied for my first radio job in 1978, I uh-huh. want to say, and I think that was the year. Where they said, that okay. They said, ah, oh, you don't have to do this anymore. Wow. Yeah, we'll just give you one. <laughs> I wonder then, because you used to have to take the transmitter readings and do all that stuff. I did stuff. have to do that. I was yeah. working at an AM station, so every two hours or yeah, whatever it was, I had to that. go over to the big giant thing and push all the buttons, and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Actually, and this is my, and you probably have an experience like this too, and it was such a sense of power. I was 15 yeah my first radio job mm. and I uh, luckily I had the chance to to work with Casey and tell him this because every other disc jockey probably has told him the same story and I've yeah. heard them tell him this story that my first job was running American Top, American 40. Top 40 yeah, yeah. putting on vinyl mm-hmm. and flipping the records over and yeah. sometimes getting them out of order because I was a dope <laughs> um and but I was 15 years old so I couldn't even drive to the station which was an AM station outside the city limits so I was done at midnight I would run 4 hours of Casey Kasem um, remember Powerline? Powerline, yes. <laughs> Powerline was a was kind of a religious it a, based. It was a Christian rock yeah. thing. 
Um, but was, a lot of times it was the only top 40 music or at least contemporary music on the air on a d- Sunday night. on the station, you know. yeah. 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 So I think that was an hour, and then there was a local oh, show that uh, a guy named Gary McCollum, and he, he goes by uh, Chris McCoy now, uh, He it, the, the, the one African-American face in the entire station was, was Gary McCollum, and I still am in touch with him. He did a show called Soul Patrol <laughs> between 11 and midnight, uh, which was very funky, yeah. and, and, and West Texas couldn't handle uh, anything that funky until 11 <laughs> o'clock on a Sunday night. And then on, on Sunday nights only, uh-huh. I would walk over to the giant, uh, RCA transmitter, right. and click the red button off, off. because we would yes. power down until five thirty the next day. Right, right. And the only, the very first thing I ever got to say on the radio was about three <laughs> months in. They finally gave me the little card yes. where I got to pop on the mic and go, "This ends K. This ends KOZA's broadcasting. KOZA's owned and operated by Odessa Broadcasting. <laughs> we and, now leave the air, and I would be the one dun, 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 a fifteen-year-old in charge of the radio station. Yeah, I would close scary. it, it lock the door behind me. I yep. didn't even have a key, and my mom is sitting in her house coat in the radio <laughs> in the station wagon in the parking waiting lot, waiting for you to come out, pissed <laughs> off at me that I had this job. So now, I'm I, I just have to tell you, when I was 16 years yeah. old and working at an AM radio station, right. WWCO, and you, you may have heard this story before, but it was during the Vietnam War. It was 1969, and we would have to do a minute uh, of news, you know, that you would rip off the wire and it would be just headlines. Yeah, the AP wires yeah. and they're clacking exactly. away. Our mm-hmm. AP wire and our UPI wire, we didn't have a lot of space in the radio station, so it was in the men's room. <laughs> it so, was? Yes, it was. That's fantastic. And it was just that clack, 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 clack would be echoing, you know, all over the place. <laughs> yeah, the acoustics were And, great. of course, that extra paper came in handy uh, if you needed to wash, <laughs> yeah. wash your hands yeah. later and, and <laughs> dry and, off. Rip and read, indeed. But I would rip the wire, and heading back into the into the studio, it was all stories about the Vietnam War. So it was all these towns in Vietnam. Oh, no. I had no idea how to pronounce any of these all things. All these regions and, yeah. Uh, and so you'd start the news and you get through one story and then I know it's coming up. And I and so I'm getting there and I'm getting close. And as I'm coming up on the story, I reach over to my left to that button that you're talking about on the transmitter. Right. And flip it. <laughs> right in the middle of the newscast. I wait like about 10 seconds, flip it back on and say... And that's news. Now let's look at Waterbury weather. <laughs> so you uh, could avoid having to say the yeah. Vietnamese area. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Didn't they also used to even give you, in parentheses, like the, yes, pronunci- the pronunciation? Which, which that didn't help did, at all. Didn't help no, at impossible all. impossible to, to struggle Plus, through Plus I those. was like a sophomore in high school. I mean, you know, I, I hadn't gotten <laughs> history or, com- or current events hadn't gotten to the Vietnam right. War yet. I used to mess around with, uh, I worked on the FM of that station as well, and we used to, on Sundays, have a live show from Quasipog Park in Connecticut, Oof. and it was our afternoon guy. On the- so you could say Quasahog, <laughs> but you couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't say Phnom Penh. Phnom Penh. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> the afternoon guy, it's a country station, afternoon guy had a band, and he would perform live, and we would broadcast it live on the air. And I knew from being there that they all wore headphones, and he relied on those headphones to hear the music and monitor what he was doing. So what they would do is they would plug into the radio station so he could hear the final mix, you know, that was coming down. Right. So to F around with him, he'd be in the middle of a song. I'd turn the transmitter off the air. (laughs) So his headphones are like... (laughs) And I can hear him in the monitor in the studio going... You know, going way off tune and not knowing what the hell's going on. I have to say one of the greatest things about working... 
smaller towns and in local radio is that you usually there were usually pranks going on. There were oh, usually, yeah. people were doing stuff to people all the time. Yeah. And, and in fact, one of uh, this wasn't a prank, but one of the stories that I told uh, when when Casey passed away uh-huh. was that because that was one of my first jobs. I, uh, you know, if you remember in the early <coughs> days, Casey was really only playing like two, maybe three songs. There were like four or five commercial breaks an hour. <laughs> they would and and so they were the short segments. Uh-huh. And I finally got a segment that was like three songs long and maybe a long distance dedication. It was like <laughs> I got time to go number two. <laughs> And but that happened to be the night the cleaning lady. Oh no! Takes the she she looks in the booth and goes, "It's empty. Oh, oh I can go, go in. And I can wipe down the board. Knock the needle right and off the, the no, no, no. It was it was worse. What? Yeah, because because I'm in the bathroom. I'm trying to take care of business. I'm in mid, you know, oh, push. Mm. And I this is what I hear: bang, bang, bang. The record stop. The record stop. <laughs> So I gotta, I gotta shut down business real fast. <laughs> I gotta cut this off. And right I here. run back in there, and I'm looking around, going, "What did she do?" And we had like little tiny little buttons that were stop and go on the uh-huh. turntables. Right. And I, and I just thought, I'll hit the green one. And so <laughs> what you hear on the air is, "Yeah, and we're coming <laughs> right back." With, which means that what you heard earlier was, and, uh, and up next is number two. <laughs> Horrible. We but, had a guy at the AM station. I, I, what happened to, to me? He would. It was him and his wife. They would come in once a week, the sweetest people, and they would clean the the radio station every whatever it was Tuesday night. He would knock my my needle off the off the record. <laughs> I'd be I'd be you know in the other room ripping <laughs> the news or something. <laughs> and then it would go on the felt because it was a big table. Right. And it's a, <laughs> I would keep going around. Yeah. Uh, is it? I hate to be too nostalgic because that just makes us sound like old men. But, well, you're um, no lair. I mean, you and I go way back. We really do. You, I remember you when you were young. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hey, that's not right. <laughs> well, we actually did have some history together working at the mighty, powerful, giant juggernaut of a station, Kiss FM, Kiss FM. in Los Angeles mm-hmm. in the mid '80s, which. Reached this milestone that I don't believe will ever be reached again, uh, certainly not in any comparable way, uh, a 10 share mm-hmm. and then a 10 plus yeah, uh, yeah. in the ratings, which... Double digits in, yeah, in Los Angeles, just, which is... It's just never going to happen Now, again. to uh, you know, to explain that, what, what happens today, what would the number one radio station in L.A. now have? I think, uh, like when Kiss does really well or when yeah. some of the others, I, I think probably they, they they break a six when, okay. when they're doing really, really well. So it was almost... Twice as much because I, I I know they had an usually 11. they're more in like the fives these days. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. But I mean, yeah, we worked there together. Well, let's put it this way: you were on the FM with the ten eleven share. I was on the AM with the point oh one two share. Well, yeah, let's let's get this really uh, <laughs> defined here. I was on the FM as a weekender and a fill in guy, right? And right. then I did end up taking a full time job on the AM, which is our good friend Tim Kelly said that after you know being an AM. There is this required pattern change after sunset, yes, which reduces your power. Yeah, so we would go from a small wattage station yeah. to a no wattage no, station. Yeah, you couldn't hear it in the valley. He joked that we should use the signal as a taxi dispatch. <laughs> uh, other because there was a point now you could hear it. It happens while you're in you know the middle of playing a song or doing a break. Oh yeah, eleven fifty kiss AM and <laughs> ka chunk. <laughs> It's gone. And suddenly you're like, oh, nobody's listening. 
Uh, I, you know, I had been working at a radio station called KKHR, right. Hit Radio, which was an FM powerhouse. Kiss killed them because uh, KKHR, which was owned by CBS, had right. let out the the fact that they were changing to Top 40. They were going to go hot hits. And the program director of Kiss FM at the time, Jerry DeFrancesco, heard that. And he locked up the term hot, hot hits, hits right? and started doing the format before... Uh, KKHR could go on the air. Right. We were giving away turkeys at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Kiss FM was giving away a Porsche every Thursday yes. with $5,000 in the glove box. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which, by the way. KKHR didn't last very long. That's 1984. Yeah, it was a lot of money. I mean, it was you don't hear anybody doing any, a Porsche. I have an air check of me saying, Rick, listen to Rick, Rick D's, D's tomorrow morning. morning yeah. uh, your chance at a Porsche 944. And we did that more than once. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, during some, the, the big sweeps, they would do it once, you a, know, week. once a week. Um, do you, so have KKHR you ever died. had an experience like... I mean, when I I was 21 when I got to Kiss FM, and I uh, the largest market I had worked at that point was Odessa, Texas, and I I kind of came in on the heels of I certainly did not contribute to that station getting a ten share, but I did get to benefit from oh, yeah. I did get to reap the reward. Just being on the air there was have you special. ever seen anything like that in a radio station? W- going to appearances no. and and <clears throat> talking to people about it. It, there was there oh, was a was, rock star feel to it. There really was. And uh, also, which was very cool, you could also uh, have you would have a free limo to go somewhere. Right. And you would mention it on the air. Hey, thanks to Bob's limo. But <laughs> and it was OK as long as you wrote it on the commercial law. Right. You know, that, right. You, you did that. And, and that was fine. So, yeah, you were treated like a rock star. You really didn't pay. Listen, Rick Dees for years and years and years, one of the most talented, you know, morning men. And, you know, he enjoyed this success. But. I don't think he ever paid for a dinner or oh, breakfast or yeah. lunch or anything. I don't I mean, think so. You know, his offices were at Kiss. I think probably Kiss covered all that. You yeah, know? yeah. But rightly so because you know he was such a big part of that success. Well, you know? he was he was the one bringing in the mass. I mean, that station not only did they get huge ratings, but they were making a ton of money. Yeah. I mean, we we did probably get to witness one of the last gasps of that. Mm-hmm. level of radio yeah yeah i, I guess what i was going to ask and not being trying not to be too nostalgic as we just waxed about <laughs> 1980s radio um i mean do you have a take you you haven't really been involved in radio in a in a on a day-to-day basis in a long time you right. do a lot of voice work for radio stations. i do and i love that because it keeps my foot in radio and i, right. I love broadcasting but but do you have a take on it now? I mean, it's so easy to just say it's not like it was and complain about companies. Yeah, I don't go that way. I don't go but there. But it it's not. It's more than that. It's also how, I mean, it's what technology has brought us. It's what uh, I look at the era of my, my, you know, my kid and his friends and mm-hmm. how they use media and how they sure. access music. I mean, things are changing. Do you have definitely? Just, what's uh, your take on it? Now? Well, I, I, whenever you get a group of radio people together, like <laughs> say, we're, and we're talking about the '80s and '90s, yeah, there is always that uh, somebody in the group starts. Well, it ain't like it used to be, you know, and then it's all very, very negative. And I, I don't go there because, um, first of all, for people who want to get into radio, we always we talk about the fact that there are no local radio stations where they can learn the craft anymore. But the truth is, there was no such thing as the internet back then. Right. Now you can you can have what you're doing right now with your show, with so many other people are doing. You can have a show. You can get the chops uh, for broadcasting. 
and you're broadcasting to the world. Yeah. I mean, back when we started, you were in Odessa and I'm in Waterbury, Connecticut on a thousand watt AM station. Maybe there's a uh, hundred thousand people that can hear you. I mean, you've got the world that can tune in. Yeah, so exactly. There's that opportunity. I think the opportunity to it's it's harder to get critical mass for sure. But if you want to be heard and if you have something specific in a point of view and you have some content to do, and this is what I, my kid is going through, he realizes even in because he's an actor mm-hmm. and a musician. Mm-hmm. So both those fields are screwed, <laughs> you know. Right. But um, it used to be where if you reached a certain level of talent or whatever, or got an agent or a manager or whatever, then people would come find you. It's right. really about it's it's this way in radio or podcasting or mm-hmm. acting or writing or You have to create your own work, right? You do. I mean, just the fact that you get an agent. And, for example, if we're looking at voiceover, your agent doesn't get you work. You get the work, and you go out and make yourself known. And um, I'm always working on different demos and different ideas. For example, I'm doing a push right now for radio imaging, and I'm just producing little 30-second things that I post on – I tweet out, you know, saying here's, you know, some of my favorite um, radio imaging stuff that I did in the past year. This is anything to – This is what I want to talk to you about now, which doesn't cover – which isn't in your book necessarily because you are still – maintaining uh, you know you have how long have you been doing voiceover i mean how long would you say that career has been going on as a when did you flip the switch from radio to being full-time via it was a you know it's a gradual sort of thing i was working in washington dc and i became aware of these great voices that represented television networks like danny danny dark at nbc right Ernie Anderson, the love bird. You know, <laughs> <Vegas>. <laughs> right, exactly. I thought, wow, that's something I can do. So in Washington, D.C., I started per, uh, you know, going after uh, voiceover work while I was working in radio. And I had some success uh, in the local market. And I realized I'm not going to really get more than local and regional type work. There was no such thing at the time as ISDN and this connectivity that you can be a voiceover person and live anywhere in the country, no, in the world, no. and, and connect and work for the networks, and it, it happens all the time, and it's wonderful. It's opened up a, a great talent pool, you know, for the networks. At the same time, it's created a huge competition among voiceover people because there are so many people that are available. The now. entire country, the entire world <laughs> yeah. can send auditions exactly. from anywhere they are right yeah. now. Yeah. So uh, my wife and I, Anna and I, decided, okay, she was in broadcasting, she was in TV, I'm in radio, Uh, This is what I want to pursue. She wanted to, you know, pursue a career in broadcasting. We decided it's either going to be New York or or Los Angeles. We did a trip. We went a two-week trip, one week in New York City, one week in Los Angeles. And we stayed at the Plaza Hotel in New York City. We did it up, and it was great. Awesome. And it was the San Gennaro Festival at the time. Oh, wow. I mean, it was so fun. (laughs) But then we flew out to Los Angeles, and it was whatever time of the year was, you know, uh, it was cold in, in New York. And out here was sunshine and beautiful, and we rented a, rented a Mercedes convertible, oh. and I said, all right, this is what. But uh, I always said that uh, I'm not going to move to a new city uh, unless I have a job uh, in radio to support me. So after that decision, it took a good year, year and a half before I was able to land a job in L.A. that would move us out here because I did not want to be just another starving actor in Los Angeles. Right, right. You know, if you go into an audition and you need that job, they – smell it on you right it's the stench of you know desperation desperation yeah. that's all over you so uh, and i always recommend that to people don't put yourself in that position you know have something that you can do during the day during the night whatever it is that covers the nut i think know? that's interesting because i i've 
I've noticed that too in, in, in some of the acting I've done and also in, in talking with my son about the same thing. If you walk in the door as if if you're exuding this thing of oh please give me this job yeah, I'm right. I'm gonna launch into chorus line I hope I get it I really <laughs> hope I get it I hope I get it oh, um, and, the, and the costuming is beautiful <laughs> where did that come from I, who who else has got jazz, jazz hands, hands in the room yes um, I, I I definitely think they feel that if you have a oh, sense yeah. if, you, if you have a sense of confidence and a sense of self and mm-hmm. that means you've got something that your whole world doesn't depend on this one thing whoever you're looking at or talking to and that goes for job interviews that goes for everything yes. yeah and yeah. and and to pick and up certainly on... no begging emails or <laughs> follow-up letters or whatever no. yeah it doesn't work i yeah, think i'll be the best choice <laughs> uh you had asked that you know what was kind of like the break and what what you know started it up i remember when i left the east coast telling my dad I said, it's going to take 10 years. This, uh, I, I got to put in 10 years before, really, I think I can make some sort of money in voiceover. And that was 1980. Now, what gave you here. that sort of insight? It just I, felt like the right... I just felt I needed 10 years. Because that's kind of... That's almost like the Malcolm Gladwell kind of, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like it, that, that is uh, stand ups will say that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they say like maybe maybe six years you can call yourself a professional and in 10 years you're probably going to be doing well. You know, you know? It's, it's like anything else. Like I, I love tennis. And you know what? You're not going to move up uh, to another ranking in tennis until you hit another 30, 40, 50,000 balls. Right. You know, and then you're going to move up. It's like anything you have and you have to stay at it and you have to be consistent and work at it every day. So. I came out here. Uh, I, you know, found an agent. It was very difficult. I had some limited success and doing little things. Then in '82, I did the trailer, movie trailer for Fast Times at Ridgemont oh, High. That's right. Okay, okay let's very come cool. on. Let's hear it. Uh, it's were... the students of Ridgemont High. <laughs> I mean, my voice was like. Meow. It's in fact, it's. I'm sure you can pull it up and and, I, and hear. I it, when you know. when I read your book, I did. I, I there was an audio companion to the <laughs> that's right to the entire. T- <laughs> it's kind of great. You actually have your your uh, your your downloadable version or whatever. You have a lot of audio attached. Yes, the to your... the, the version that is what you would read on your your Nook or your mm-hmm. iPad or whatever has links, audio and visual right. links, video links. But anything that wasn't linked because it was copyrighted or whatever, I would go <laughs> go I mean, look for. Yeah, it, it took yeah. like you know like nine months to read your book because I would keep going. Oh my <laughs> god, I got to go, go find that. Yeah, right. uh, and also uh, we'll get around <clears> to it. Your uh, your uh, what is it? Your ragu commercial? Or oh <laughs> uh, no, that was Prego. Prego, Prego spaghetti right. sauce. But uh, to finish this, yeah. Up, so you were doing. So doing you did the Fast Times trailer. Fast Times, and I started to do like Porky's, and I started to do the. <laughs> you were that guy. Teen movies. Yeah. And I was still working in radio. <laughs> I was at KKHR, and I moved over to Kiss, and I was filling in one day for Big Ron O'Brien on mm-hmm. Kiss FM mm-hmm. one afternoon. And wasn't even supposed to be on the air that day. That's just, I guess, nobody else could fill in, and they had me on. And at that exact same moment, the head of uh, promotions and publicity for this new network called Fox was driving home in afternoon traffic uh, from Hollywood to Simi Valley. And, you know, it's going to be an hour and 15 minutes or more for him to, to get home. And I was his only companion in the car on the air at KISS FM. And he was rolling over a problem uh, he's creating an image for this brand new network that they want to be completely different from all the stodgy CBS, ABC at the yeah. time. The edgy, yeah, younger, going to push the envelope right. on network TV. So it was like it was going to look different. The graphics, the everything was going to look different. They wanted it to sound different as well. 
And he heard me on the air, and he said, that's a voice that might work. And actually called from his car, one of those in 1988, <laughs> that brick of a cell yeah, phone, yes. you know, with the antenna. and then the- <laughs> With the curly cord that went to the, <laughs> you know, the big unit there jammed into the dashboard, yes. right? And call, <laughs> called KISS FM. And said, called the request line or called uh, the no, front desk? No, called the front desk and uh-huh. said, tell this guy that, uh, you know, we want to talk to his agent or whatever. And I thought, oh, cool, I might get a spot out of this. Yeah, you know? yeah. And they brought me in, and that was uh, August of 88. And I did all of the comedies for Fox until full-time, the, everyone until like about 2003, 2004, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, but you're still on there. I, I do. You know what? I don't do much on the Fox network anymore. What I do is like the Simpsons in syndication. Oh. I still do that for 20th television, okay. and, I, and I do some of their other shows. But, um, but still, that's a long association for one oh, yeah. network. That's oh, crazy. It was, it was amazing. And, and I have an addendum to that, too. But I, but I, I, while I'm thinking of it, this is another one of the elements. There is a common pattern for most people who reach a certain level of success. And with, with James Taylor, I, I, I called it the, uh, the guy didn't show up syndrome. Right, I mean, it's, right. it's one of those things. Sure. It's the guy didn't show up or the guy got the job but dropped out. So right. you get to move in. Yep. There is this. There is an element of this t- perfect timing, stroke of luck. It yes. has nothing to do with any effort or anything you did. Right, and and it's and luck. that's that can be kind of a that can feel like a negative thing. It's like, oh no, what if I didn't do that? But it, but it's just this weird thing about being in the right place at the right time it, when you would normally never be in that spot. Right, but you know what? You have to have the skills, sure. for that intersection of timing and luck and all of that, because uh, many times. They will intersect, but you just don't have the skills for it, and right. it just kind of goes by. Well, there's so the, uh, there's some old tired expression. I'm very bad at those, and people post it online all uh, all the time. It's something about you know luck plus preparation oh, yeah. equals or whatever that sure. is. Yeah, uh, you know. But but you're right. I mean, you have to have the skills to back it up. Yeah, you have to you know uh, continue to work on whatever it is that you that is your interest, which your your goal your passion, you know, continue to work on that. And you certainly didn't know at the time that that was this kind of launching point for you because it really kind of was. It was just a gig, oh my God. but it turned into change, the, the gig of a everything. lifetime. Oh, right. It changed my life. It changed everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, it's so funny because anybody who watches television and, and the, a promo comes on saying that, you know, Thursday on an all-new Two and a Half Men, they're already in the refrigerator, you know, look, r- rummaging around for something. And, and the fact that what that is, and and it's part of the, the, the network promoting itself, and it means so much to the shows, to the network itself, and so much money and thought and effort and talent goes into that. And you would never know, you know, that that is a gig. Yeah. That you could actually make a lot of money at. And people spend a lot of time. Now, I had a brief period of time where I was the uh, the radio voice for UPN. Uh-huh. Uh, their net for that. I, I had a similar thing happen. Oh, actually, okay. well, the one time I filled in for, uh, I have two stories here. The one yeah. time I filled in for Big Ron O'Brien, it wasn't very often, doing an afternoon drive in Big Los Ron Angeles. Big Ron O'Brien was a lightning bolt. Yes. Oh, my God. But it was a very different story. Mm. Um, that was um, right around the time, if you remember the name, Frank Tastian, I guess, or am mm. I getting that wrong? Or Ralph Tastian? Ralph Tastian. I don't uh, remember an that. An independent name. record promoter okay. who had offices right next door to Kiss FM. Oh, okay. And he was apparently notorious 
for bribing people to play records. <laughs> really? And there was a CBS or 60 Minutes news wow. story about that and mentioning him. Wow. So the day that I'm filling in for Big Ron O'Brien, it was at the newer studios, the ones you're talking about right. uh, in Hollywood and, and Sunset and Vine. Right. Um, there is a bomb threat on his office, oh, which... If you remember the studios at Kiss FM, if you turn around in that window right behind you, sure. that's his office. Oh, okay. So our boss at the time, Jerry DeFrancisco, walks in the, the studio and says, Hey, bud, <laughs> we just got a bomb threat for Ralph Tashian's office next door. Everybody's leaving the building. We're evacuating. What do you want to do? <laughs> what do you like, want to do? The one time I get to fill in for oh, Big Ron my. Afternoon Drive yeah. in Los Angeles, California, oh, I'm like, gosh. Fuck no! I'm staying right here. If if this if we're going down, I'm going down with it. And Jerry says, "Me too, bud. Oh, Me too. Wow. I'll be in my office." Jerry stayed, and so I'm in the That's air, awesome. playing the hot hits. Oh my god! The police are coming in. They bring in bomb sniffing dogs into our studio while I'm. And here's the latest from Madonna. It's True Blue on Kiss FM. Um, so that was my. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, so my you gosh. get a you get a national yes. voiceover gig, <laughs> right. and I almost get blown you to own, smithereens. Yes, exactly. Wow. Anyway, wow. but I but I did the. Um, I was on the air at Star ninety eight point seven here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I had a similar thing happen. The promotion, uh, like the big promotion VP for UPN, UPN, which was another fledgling network, was yeah. looking for a new voice. Heard me on the air, mm-hmm. and I got the gig for like, doing a good, the radio a good, spots. A good year doing yeah. the radio spots. Um, uh, I worked for UPN a little bit as yeah. well at the time, which makes perfect sense since they were practically all African American themed. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So it was yeah. my voice, this guy right. going, "That's an all new Moesha tonight <laughs> on UPN." But what people don't realize is how much effort and thought, and sometimes more thought than is needed, that goes into yes a certain phrase, how things are said. Right now, right. do you, as the artist? You, the artist, formerly known as Joe. Joe. Yes. Yes, Joe the artist. Yes. Do you, as the 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 voice, do you have a process? Do you have, are, do you analyze this? Or have you changed that over the years? Do you have this natural inclination to know what needs the emphasis or what doesn't? And, of course, a client is always going to change it on you. Right, yeah. But, but, but how much science on your end goes into this? Huh? <laughs> So none then. <laughs> no, no, you know, uh, they're uh, interpreting copy. Yeah. is uh, probably the most important part of being a voiceover artist, whatever you want to call it. I'm calling it artist. Right. Okay. Uh, In this I'll, room, we I'll can go call it we're artist. All yeah, right. Let's yeah. go with that. Um, it's not about the. It's not at all about your voice, and that's what's so amazing. And in radio. It's all about your voice. And when we do copy and radio, this is why it's so difficult for radio people to um, move into voiceover. True. It's because you're always uh, Joe Cipriano on the air at KISS FM. Well, we spent most of our lives... Uh, kind of cr- cr- this this muscle. I mean, the the, the right. voice box in there. We have developed this muscle right. because we have projected in a certain way for so long. Radio people sound like radio people. Yeah, almost and, you all know, the some time. of them go a little too much. And that's <laughs> called puking. But there are a lot of radio guys that play the hits. And but the, what I'm getting at is the fact that you have a piece of copy on on the air, and you're a disc jockey. The most important thing is to get it in 30 seconds, and you're still you doing the copy right uh when you're doing voiceover you're no longer you 
you are this character oh. that is portraying what this message is. So you have to kind of you have to get inside the message, get inside the copy. Um, I always call it when you don't do that, you're just kind of writing on top of the words and you're just writing along and reading and really not putting any effort into who is this person that's speaking? Why are they saying this? Where did they come from? Where are they going? What's the message? None of that is in there when you're kind of just reading it. So so is this so this is something you consciously think of as you get a new piece of copy or as it kind of becomes second nature now. Do you spend that time with it to think about Yeah, yeah? I I do. I spend time Now listen, when you're doing promos and and they hook up, you you get the copy uh, <laughs> like uh, 30 seconds before Yeah, they're moving they fast and furious. And they, it's yeah. like three takes and they just want to be done and move on. And really, you know, the copy what it looks like is it's, you know, like for example, just before coming here. Uh, new next Thursday, and it's like line, 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 line. Um, only four more episodes until the one-hour season finale. Line, 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 line. Two and a half men, the final season continues. Line, 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 line. CBS Thursday, 9, 8 Central. <laughs> so so you got the formula down because yeah. you've done it so many times. Right. You know what they expect. You know how they're making it fit to visuals. Right. We're um, reading, and we read to picture. Even though we're not seeing oh, picture, you are. you're reading to the audio. So you are fitting in the holes, mm-hmm. you know, and you and all of that sound on tape, which is, you know, the uh, the dialogue from the actors in the show. Right. You, you see it. It's written out in the script. And um, so what, you, what you're really trying to do is the 2.2 seconds that you have to say – Whatever the line is, you try to make it something incredibly special, you know, try to give it. And if you get a second tape on take uh, take on it, try something completely different. And a third take, something different on that, too. So how do you fight because you've been doing it for so long and you have such good instincts and you and so much of that is second nature to you now, the CBS stuff? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, how how often do you have those sessions, for instance? Oh, uh, uh, about once a day. Okay, once a day. Yeah. So how do you keep it from being rote and going through the motions? I mean, do you have to I, step back, or is, or is it wait, just all just— It's just that I, I, I love it so much. You and really it's such do. A, I, I do. I mean, I, I've always loved it. I, I've always felt—the reason why I told you that I, I became aware of those voices, you know, like Danny Dark and all of that, I just thought, how cool is it to represent a television network, for example, mm-hmm. and be—I'm I'm the voice that represents— the network or represents the show. And that's maybe doesn't mean too much to the person that, you know, we took the bus together, you know, the other day, you know, uh, or the subway, but it, it, it's, it's an art and it's a thrill. And so I, I honestly, truly love it. I just have so much fun with it. And in between those lines, I'm usually kind of giggling and laughing because I do mostly comedies. Right. And, of course, you know, they, they clean it all up and all of that. But, uh, you know, it's that true—it's it's a fun. true joy. It's, it's fun. A, it is a joy. Yeah. Well, there still is that element of magic. Like I was saying, even still in radio, as much as it's changed, there still is enough theater of the mind because you're a detached voice. So mm-hmm. when people, for instance, recognize you, it must happen on occasion. I mean, I get the— um, you know, the one really fun gig I've had forever, which pays me nothing, but I still do just because it's so much fun to talk about, yeah. is the uh, AMC Theaters. Oh. You know, the in-house voice yes. in the AMC Theaters, yeah. which most people don't hear unless you're taking a tinkle. Yes. When you're unless you're going bathroom. running to the bathroom and you hear, uh, that's the late, what's the one I have today? Uh, you know, it's just some random band or, you know, there's, uh, love uh, it. Uh, 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 that's the latest from so-and-so. There's Miley Cyrus and so from her new album. And and when you get people going, 
Oh, that's exactly. Oh, I heard you. Yeah, that's, yeah. So it, it, they they really seem to get a thrill they, out of that. They do, and and it's why, for example, the book and and we were talking about going on the morning shows and things like that. Uh, it, it's an easy setup. It's like, uh, do you do you know this voice? <laughs> and then you play a couple of things. You go, yeah, hell, I do know that voice. I've heard well, that for years. Here's what she looks like, right. or here's what he looks like. And you right. go, whoa. So. Usually, the local TV stations, when they're in sweeps, they'll always throw out a bring in a story. Is you're gonna you're gonna get to meet Larry Morgan, the voice of AMC theaters in or, the bathroom. Uh, in the bathroom, uh, but it it's still uh, there's an interest in that. Yeah, and 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 I understand it, you know, because when you hear someone and you have n- no way to visually make a connection of what they look like. You automatically, it's just human nature, you come up with an image of what that voice must look like. And then, of course, you see that person and you go, oh, crap, really? <laughs> well, that, is that it, is? isn't that the bummer most of the time yeah, when people go, oh, I, I mean, nobody's ever said to me, oh, I thought you were more handsome necessarily. <laughs> but but uh, you do sense some sort of disappointment sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did you picture, people? What are you really hearing? <laughs> exactly. I, although I usually got radio, I almost always got, oh, I thought you were a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> right. I got that a lot, too. Yeah. 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 And you know why, Joe? Why? Because there are a lot of fatties in radio. <laughs> <laughs> there were always a lot of big men in radio. Yes. Well, listen, uh, and Ron we, O'Brien, who we've been talking about, he, and we he love. had that name yes. for a reason. Yes. And he broke chairs in every radio station <laughs> he worked at. I was just talking to John Driscoll. He said at CFL in Chicago, Ron broke a chair. Yeah. And at Kiss, I think he broke at least two. Yeah, I think they had a steady stream of reserve <laughs> chairs. They learned early on. You know, at WFIL in, in Philadelphia, they would call that chair that the jock would sit in the air chair. <laughs> I love that. You know what I was thinking of the other day, air and chair. this is so personal right now, but since we're uh, also yeah. getting Uh-oh. nostalgic again. Wait a minute, yeah. No, no, not, not that personal. Okay. Oh, we're going to get well, there. Uh... Now, this uh, we're about uh, 45 minutes in, so in the next few minutes, I'm going to start making you cry. Uh, <laughs> we, we get deep and dark. On the Barbara Walters special. Uh, uh, Think... Think about how weird this would be today Yeah, to walk into the studio my first night at KISS FM, uh-huh. and I'm following, I'm following Big Ron, Yeah, um, and he is smoking like a chimney in the studio. <laughs> yes. How weird is that That's right true. now? If you think about this room we're in right now, it's, it's like- It's a pristine, beautiful recording studio. The idea that ashes and smoke oh, and yeah. all that crap, and just also that we'd have to be breathing that in this well, contained room with no windows that open. The microphone that we're speaking into- That smells like his it would, cigarette. Yeah, it would have a, 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 a muff, a, 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 what do you, what do you <laughs> yeah, call the, that on the there? The windscreen or windscreen, whatever. Windscreen, you right? know, that would be made out of some sort of foam. And all would do it is, is absorb the smell of the breath of the person and that was on before you. Disc jockeys all put their lips right over against it. <laughs> so you're you're kissing the guy that you were on before. Oh, God. That, that was on before you. It's Can like, you even fathom that now? No. Because I remember that first night. Even then I was thinking, wow, it's pretty smoky in here. But it didn't. Yeah. It, it was, was just. We, it was so common. It didn't, I didn't smoke. I don't know if you smoked. No. So, um, and it didn't affect my voice. It didn't bother me. But it was just like there was ashes. There were ashes all over the place. And, and ash you would have trays. to clean up. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Oh, and yeah. then uh, Lysol spray that you would spray the, the microphone. <laughs> Which the engineers the foam, <laughs> you know. went bananas yeah. over because you were destroying some sort of filaments in there or something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, I just. That, like the that, smoke wasn't. You know, the smoke was destroying <laughs> everything. It just hit me the other day that that is one of my first memories of walking in that studio, and I, I, you would never see that now. No, you would never see anything like that. Obviously, so yeah. you've been so now in all this time that you've been doing voiceover. This uh, obviously the technology's changed, but uh-huh. 
But because there is so much difficulty in getting people to stay tuned and watch a show and try right. and connect shows, you've seen um, you know theme songs get shorter and shorter, which means that your voiceover between shows gets shorter and shorter <laughs> right, exactly. and talk faster and yeah. faster. But in what other ways have networks had to change how they give you copy and how, you're, how you work based we- upon how people consume tv these days i think what's uh, there's really going to be a change i mean because now just about everyone in major cities and and across the country nobody tunes in to cbs at eight seven central <laughs> i mean really i no. mean i don't even know why we say that anymore I because think, you you have it on dvr yeah, and you watch it when you want to watch it and you know? I, I think there are maybe event Shows like American Idol and and things sure, that have or, or results, the Emmys or the uh, Oscars or the people Golden don't, Globes. Yeah, people want to see it live. Want to see if it they live. Can yes. So I, that's about the only thing left. True. Or, or in sports, and you know, uh, and sports. Yeah, exactly. And sports more and more will be the number one most watched show of the week. Right. On just about any network. Right. Um, but um, what's happening is, and this is going to be really interesting. CBS is leading the way in, in this. Uh, Les Moonves, you know, he's pretty brilliant. He, he's he got a bunch of content that he Kiss owns. ass. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> he, he doesn't care how consumers consume it. He just wants to make sure that you are watching his content. Just find a way to get so it. So they're, they're moving towards uh, bypassing DirecTV, Dish, Cable, and making their content available on the their online platforms that they own. At the moment that it's being broadcast. Or, uh, yeah, or, or anytime. Or uh, anytime. Yeah. It, it's just like a, on demand. I don't care when, when you watch it. As long as you go to my website, if you go to my online platform to watch it. And they'll figure out a way to monetize it. But they're, they're, gonna, they're bypassing broadcast. Broadcast is dead anyhow. They're going to turn off the, the, the TV uh, signal. <laughs> I think they're in, it's only three years away well, where there yeah. won't be broadcast. No, we're, I mean, I, again, I look to my son because he's basically – there's never been a time that he's been a conscious human <laughs> that he hasn't had the Internet. Right. And and starting with music, where he just found stuff. I mean, he would start. He would tell me about this band Nirvana, and I would go, <laughs> "How did you find Nirvana? I didn't play any Nirvana." And he and his buddies would be like obsessed with Nirvana. <laughs> right, Alex, the baby on the cover of Nevermind is older than you are. <laughs> um, they exist in an on-demand world. Yes, and they watch when they want to, and, and they watch anywhere they. My want My son, to. Alex. How did we end up naming our know. sons the same? Interesting. My son is 27. How old is My he? son is 23. Okay, well, I beat you. Um, <laughs> so and you stole it from me, in other words. That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, but it's true. I've done you know, every, every, my entire life is patterned after you, Joe. <laughs> uh, Alex, my son, works in uh, online marketing, and he works for a company in Los Angeles where he creates content um, for the Facebook pages for online. He's working on Jurassic World right now. Oh, wow. If you go to Jurassic World website, it's it, there's, a, there's a whole world, and that's air quotes I'm using. <laughs> we all heard it. You can even, you could make believe book a hotel at Jurassic World. There's all this content oh, that fun. they're just writing. He's a writer, and he loves doing all of that. But talking about, you know, like Nirvana and how how did you ever find Nirvana, you know? His one of show that he loves is Twin Peaks which hasn't been on the air for 20 years. Yeah, and is coming back. But and pe- pe- people, But the buzz 
stays alive. It's amazing. People go find it. He immediately, when he found out that Showtime was bringing it back, he went to his boss and said, I want to work on this. We, I want to do this show. They had a lunch with Showtime last week, and he's been badgering everybody, and Showtime gave them the show. So he's going to be doing the online wow. uh, platform That's for so it. great. So and that's something thrilled. he's already passionate about. Yeah, exactly. So, so how does this online and on-demand world affect you in the future? You know, I'm not sure because to get kind of in the nitty-gritty of it, we're, uh, we're Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA members. And when you're working in broadcast, everything, there's a scale that you're working for. And, and uh, there is, so you're being paid for a fair wage for your talent. When you start to get into online stuff, it's unorganized and they can pay anything they want or not pay you at all. You know, sometimes they'll take a promo and they'll run it online and you, you don't get any usage fee for that. So I think that how it's going to affect actors, musicians, um, you know, uh, voiceover artists is that it's kind of an unorganized area. And unfortunately, I think it's going to bring the level of what, what they're paying down. And that's going to be a problem. I think that Screen Actors Guild is working very hard to organize that and try to establish some rates. Probably won't be as high as over here. Right. So uh, that's one problem that it's monetarily, I think it could be a problem. I'm also not sure how you promote a show on demand. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, do, do promos begin to disappear? Uh, that it's it's possible. You still have to get the word out. So right. while you're watching something else, there's going to have to be a promo that says, "Hey, you know, you can also watch this." Right, right. So that's got to be there. However, however, they handle that. Um, I just think that uh, going at it in a positive way. Uh, I think that once broadcasts and and you know that over the air starts to go away, it online is going to be more prestigious and more available mm-hmm. and more eyes are on it. And I think that it will take the place and it will be even better. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. Well, I certainly think that as we watch things that they're putting up on Netflix and Amazon and they're winning awards for things that are on online Unbelievable. distribution The Golden platforms. Globes, how many of those? And Woody Allen just signed a deal with yep. uh, Amazon well, uh, to for write, direct a TV show. Honestly, I feel like the best work that I've watched over the past two years has been on TV and not in movie theaters. As much as I love a lot of the movies mm-hmm. that it, it just we on the day we're recording this, the Oscar nominations came out. Right. All those movies are are great. Yeah. I think this has been one of the worst years for movies in general I've ever seen. There are no blockbusters on that list of best films. No. Nothing is made over $100 million on that list. You could list. probably make an argument that maybe Guardians of the Galaxy should have mm. considered been considered as, because mm. it was really fun and really great, but mm-hmm. that kind of popcorn entertainment rarely gets that it, kind of attention. Exactly. But, yeah. but other than Guardians mm-hmm. and the movies that uh, they're talking about for, for awards right now, Really sucky year in movies. <laughs> and TV has been when you amazing. Say, when you say TV, are you talking more of the Showtime's HBOs, or do you are you talking the ABC's, NBC's, CBS? Uh, well, Fox. I think everything. I yeah. think network television is better than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, um, I mean, I think Breaking Bad is one of the, my favorite things that I've watched mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I, I'm a huge Parks and Rec fan, mm-hmm. and I think some of the comedies that are on right now are as good as they've ever been, and, and really good writing, and really solid, fun ensemble performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and Showtime and HBO is just killing it. I love Boardwalk Empire, uh, yes. uh, all those things. Well, it's so hard for the broadcast networks to compete with the HBOs and the Showtimes because the restrictions that broadcast has 
standards and practices, right. and you can't use the, the language that you can use. But, you, you know, know my wife and I started watching The Good Wife. We started binge-watching The Good Wife, and I would I would say, show. considering those restrictions, that's as that good a, a show, show. Yeah. as, I mean, so it can mm-hmm. be done. Yeah. I think it can be done. Mm-hmm. And I haven't missed anything in terms of, you know, I don't need to see boobies on The Good right. Wife well, as much as exactly. I'd like to see boobies it's on The Good Wife. It's almost like you, you would hear, you know, do you do you, do you do or do you play blue, you know, when you're a stand-up, or do you not play blue? And right. if you can not, you know, use blue humor and still be wildly funny, yeah. that's I mean, awesome. Orange yeah. is the New Black needs that, yeah. but Parks and Rec yeah, doesn't. Good, you exactly. Know? Yeah, uh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's a very good analogy. So, uh, quick questions, quick answers. Okay. Yes. Um, no. What's the worst? Maybe. No. Sh- sh- oh, not, oh, I have no, to let wait. Let me ask the question oh, first, okay. but still, but the, okay. r- reserve your answer until the question gotcha. is done. And will I will, you point and to I will me when the question you. is done? Yes. I will give okay, you one of these right here. Are you ready? Ready. Are you looking at me? Yes. You need to make eye contact. There's one answer. No, no, no. Was that a question? Yes. Okay. All right. Question number two. <laughs> What's the worst piece of direction you've ever been given by a client or an executive? <laughs> Something comes to mind. Uh, uh, gosh, a couple of things come to mind. Um, can you? <laughs> come on. Believe... Come on, Joe. I want you, uh, uh, what I'm looking for in this read, I want you to, color it so when you're when you're reading the line think of the color orange <laughs> no yeah no yeah no mm-hmm. what the fuck does that mean it's almost as bad did you understand that at all no of yeah. course not. I going, oh i took notes though I go, orange yes that's very good but uh did they, did you, were you able to satisfy yes did you get to yes. orange and you know what i'll always give them you know yeah, what? That yeah. orange direction. Damn. <laughs> I would have never thought of that, yeah. but you knocked yeah. it out of the park. Yeah, you got to butter them up. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they're happy. Um, yeah. And then the other thing uh, from the movie In a World, because yeah. I, I had a small part in In a World. Oh, like, that's right, which movie. is wonderful. People should check that out. Great it gives movie. you great insight into what that world is like. It's pretty. I feel like it's pretty authentic. It's very authentic. And, and you, Lake Bell is such a fan of voiceover. And, and it's a great little quirky movie. It's it really is. good. It is. Yeah. I mean, you got Rob Corddry in there and Ken Marino. And, and who Tig plays Nicaro. her dad? Um, oh, that's Fred Melamed. Oh, God, he's amazing. So good. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, and you're all right. <laughs> Thank you. But I tell a story in that. that right. Lake said, uh, you know, just we're, we were doing a party scene. She said, just tell some some stories. And there was nothing that ended up in the movie. Except there were two scenes that ended up that were uh, ad lib. And this was one of them. It was just a, a silly story that she just wanted to kick off the beginning of this party at a voiceover guy's house. Right. And I said, you know, I was doing this session. I'm working this guy, working with this guy. And we're on our 22nd take. And he said, okay, very good, Joe. Now, on this one, can you give me a little bit more energy? And I said, well, if you go back to take one, I had plenty of energy back there. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah, that happens all true. the time. Exactly. Um, I, that was I, two questions. Yeah, is there a third question? No, that, well, there was, yes, there is a third question. Are, are you on a schedule? Do you need to go? Are you look? Are you on, need to get somewhere? I am good for no, another. We're, no, this is it. We're going to wrap up. Okay. <laughs> Calm down. All right. Wow. Boy, you've become so... You know, back when you were driving me home to Malibu... With your window with a broken, window. broken yeah. and and it's and it's fourteen degrees in the backseat as you're driving me back. We we had Larry a much and I better used relationship to, because I worked on the AM Saturday night. He worked on the FM Saturday night, seven to midnight. <laughs> right. He lived in Malibu. I lived in Pacific Palisades. He would drive to my house, or sometimes I would go pick you. Yeah, it was adorable that we carpooled. We would drive. In it was adorable. I think we didn't about do that it a now. lot. No, but we, we did, did it a few times. And 
as often would happen, I'd had to park on the street uh, in Hollywood, you know, on a Saturday night. Uh, I know my memory is this was in the garage. Uh, well, the two times that that I'm thinking of, there were three or four times, but they were not broken into street. Okay, I parked right in front of um, what was that? Sixty two fifty five Sunset, whatever it was. Nice. I parked right in front of the front door. We had a guard down at the bottom who was looking at my car, and my car still got broken (laughs) into. They break the window. They steal the thing. I drive Larry home, and you know it's freezing. The next night, I bring my wife's car to uh, the station. That one got broken into, and so we had two cars that had been broken into on consecutive nights. When's the last time you've been at that intersection, by the way? It couldn't be more pristine. It's beautiful. It's it's still a little homelessy. It it is, but (laughs) nothing like when we were there. Oh, no. Oh, if you were to walk over to that B of A ATM, you would be putting your life in your hands. Even in the daytime. And it, it right bad. down the street is the what they used to call CBS Radio City, right. and uh, they're doing a complete remodel. They are saving the building. Are they? Uh, yeah, Viacom has uh, committed to a twelve-year lease in there. They're they're doing <sighs> high-rise apartments. There, that whole area is going to be. It's going to be a campus. So, but, MTV but they're keeping will be the there. original bones. They're keeping. Because that's where will, Jack Jack Benny did his oh, show, yeah. and that's all the that. cornerstone. Yeah. And there's going to be so much more built out, and it's going to be more of what you know, like an Apple computer, where and Google, where it's more of a campus yeah. kind of a thing. Oh, wow. and and people can live there as well, where where they work. It's going to be beautiful. You want to let's move in together. All right, let's go. <laughs> you know what? I'll drive you over there that's right great. now. If we could just bring yeah. back those days again. <sighs> so I know, I know you get this because I get this all the time. Um, I get it right here. Do you, Do you? see this? Right Are you here. feeling that? Is it red? No, no, no. It's on the other side oh, for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's weird. All right. Um, Don't touch it. Okay, fifth question. Okay. <laughs> wow. How did we get to fifth? <laughs> well, that was the fourth. Okay. If you get the same thing that I get. All righty. Um, I get asked, and I know you get asked, mm-hmm. how do you start in voiceover? People tell me I have a good voice. Uh, how do you answer that these days? It's it's really hard to get into this business? Uh, I say a few things. Uh, what I mentioned earlier, that it's not about the voice and that you... you well, that's that's a whole different deal. Coaching and, and trying yes. to get people to control their voice is one thing. I mean, are, do you, you recommend classes? Do you recommend oh, coaches? Okay. But the, the thing is, any voice can work. If you have a squeaky voice mm-hmm. or you have a, a sibilant voice or you have a, a some sort of an uh, impediment, whatever. I mean, everything works for whatever it is that they're casting at that time. But what's most important, you know, uh, number one is that you, is education. And you, you have to take classes. You have to work I'm out. It. I'm out. <laughs> you have to work with – you don't have to work with a coach private, but you go into and do workshops and seminars. But what's most important is to never miss a day or miss a week. You have to be consistent. This is a business. This is a multi-billion-dollar business right. that – People, when they decide they're going to do voiceover, there's there are the people that say, yeah, I want to do voiceover, you know. And then there's people that are committed to doing this. Yeah, you can't do it casually. It. No, well, you can't no. do anything casually. No, I mean, you and, can't. It, and here's uh, the final point that I can draw the parallel between all the people I've talked to is work ethic. And you have brought it up, and every one of the people who has come in here mm. and talked about where they've where they went 
you know, where they came from and where they've gone to. Right. It's been once they figure out that, oh, I'm good at this. Oh, people want to pay me for this. Oh, this is going to be my life's work, I think. Mm-hmm. They work their ass off. Yeah. And do it constantly and are always putting themselves out there. And the fact that you have been doing this long, but you still, in the last time you and I sat and talked at your house, mm-hmm. you were talking about, well, how do you I... weren't invited to my house? By no, the way. I did you show, show up. up. I finally yeah. found out where it was. Yeah. yeah, but I did get to hang out for a little while until you called your your security. <laughs> yes, um, I recall that. Yeah. <laughs> you put up a fuss. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I wanted to swim, and <laughs> you, uh, apparently there's a no skinny dipping no rule at the Cipriano dipping. house. Yeah, but you, I was surprised to hear you talk about creating a new sound for yourself or a new mm-hmm. demo, or that you're you're reworking. How you want to present yourself, and it for some reason, I mean, that makes sense mm-hmm. because, like you're saying, you have to keep working at it. Mm-hmm. But in as a, as an established guy, as somebody who's been doing this for a long time, whose voice you would think people would be coming to you, and you're still working to market yourself to oh, put definitely. yourself out there. And you know what's really important is you have to stay relevant. You you can't yeah. do what you did five years ago because styles change, uh, the way advertising you know is presented. Uh, new ideas come in. Uh, there are a lot of changes in marketing and advertising, and you have to stay relevant and know what's going on. You have to be a student of of what it is that you do. I was you surprised know. to hear you still get on the phone with a coach. Oh, and, yeah. And, oh, definitely. And get feedback. You know what? Tiger... I, if I were in your position, I would tell people, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Tiger Woods still has a swing coach. Yeah. You know, yeah. all those guys, Ricky Fowler, they've got swing coaches. Um, they're pros, and they can do anything they want with a golf ball. But you, you, you continue to work at it because you can always get better, and equipment changes, much like, uh, you know, styles of marketing change. You just have to continue to, to work at it. You're not going to stay... Um, you're not going to stay relevant if you don't put time into it and effort. There, you're going to be the guy that they say, "Oh yeah, he used to work a lot." You know, that's what's going to happen, and that's what's got to motivate you. I want to, um, I want to wrap things up here with what's the favorite? What's the thing that comes to mind if I said, "What's your favorite piece of copy you've ever read?" Oh my gosh, my favorite piece of copy. Yeah, just the the line or a couple of lines that just made you happy when you said them. <laughs> Let's see. Um, live from the Staples Center, it's the 64th annual Emmy Awards. That's a good one. That Ooh, was a thrill. I just got chills. <laughs> I actually just got chills. That's really cool. That was, you know, any, and it's so tied to what you and I do. It was a bit of broadcasting. It's voiceover. It's live to the planet. Yeah. I've done the Grammys. I've done the Emmys. I've, you know, There's all these glamour live shows. and showbiz. It's and, so yeah. that is a real, real thrill. That's a so, that's yeah. that's really. I'll cool. light up on that one. All right. Well, uh, if you could light up on this, oh. if I could get you to uh, uh, create some sign, kind of sign, sign here off here, and sign here. Uh, how much will it? Do I have to Initial contact your agent before here. I ask you to do this? Yeah, All right. If you could uh, incorporate as a as a close here our our catchphrase, which was actually created by our friend James Arnold Taylor mm. in the movie that we made, the comedy team of Pete and James. By the way, plug your book again, real quick. Living on Air: Adventures in Broadcasting, available as uh, in a uh, a regular book. <laughs> One of those reading things, uh, yeah, right? Which you can get at Amazon and, and Barnes and Noble and it, all that. Is it at the library? You can get it at the library. Remember the library. <laughs> and then you've got the e-reader, yes. uh, which is fun, which is available uh, everywhere. And there's the audio book, which I. 
was honored with two awards uh, this past. Oh, uh, yes. uh, when was that? In in December uh, in New York for um, for the audiobook. Uh, because we wanted it to be more of a kind of a radio play, and we really we we have original music in it, yeah, and we mixed it and and used sound effects so that it would be more like a like a radio. Yeah, play. it's really it's so much fun. So it's that's available everywhere, or you can go to livingonairbook.com, and that's if you want a signed autographed book. Ooh. Um. All right. So if you I can... should have brought you a book. I already have one. Okay. I have the book and the audio. I have book. this pamphlet here. Yeah, hmm. I, I I helped feed your children a morsel of food with Thank my contribution. You. Appreciate that. By, oh, yeah. here's the here's oh. the final question. Okay, before oh, I there make is you say, one more question. What's the deal with you and sushi? <laughs> I don't know. I like sushi. It's all I see really? on your social media. Uh, the Katsuya. Uh, in Brentwood, yeah. uh, the manager one day said to me, hey, we do a role of the week. Would you create a role? <laughs> so I created the Joe V.O. role, oh, which man. was delicious. And, all right. And so I promoted the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I, I guess that's yeah, what it was. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, uh, oh, and where can people find you on, on the social media, please? Uh, uh, well, uh, Twitter, it would be at Joe Sip, which is J-O-E-C-I-P. C-I-P. Uh, Facebook.com slash Joe Cipriano VO, I think. Probably. Yeah, yeah maybe. Or uh, online at JoeCipriano.com. There we go. All right. Yeah. Uh, now, if you could incorporate the words, and again, this <laughs> yeah. created by uh, a character in our film, The Comedy Team of Pete and James, starring uh, uh, James Arnold Taylor, if you could incorporate... Were, it, you, were you Pete? No, I was, I was not oh, okay. a main character. Okay. I directed, and I had a peripheral role. Was there a Pete? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Watch the movie. All right. All right. I think I've seen it. Uh, you probably have. Yeah. Everybody should see it. Yeah. Um, I need you to... Inc- Where would we go to see it? Uh, n- nowhere, because we uh, we need to re-release right, it, and we don't have the rights for all the mu- music we okay. put into it. So. so let's edit out what I just asked you. <laughs> don't worry. We'll fix it in we'll post. Fix, no, we're, we're going to release it's, it. Well, Joe, let me wrap this all up. All right. Wrap I this up, for God's do. sakes. I, I have need, to pee. I need you to final. I need you to, to give me the best yes. Joe Cipriano lines to close this thing out, but I need the words, get a monkey at the end. <laughs> Can you handle that? Oh, my and God. And by the way, when you say it, I want you to think of the color orange. <laughs> orange when you Could do you? it. All yes. right. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, we're proud of the fact that the internet has awarded the podcast of the year to Larry Morgan. And Snark Monkey. And Snark Monkey. And don't forget, wherever you go, get a monkey. Is it get a monkey? Yeah. Wherever you go, get a monkey. 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 All right. That was great. Could I get that with a little more energy this time? Go back to take one. Thank you, Get a monkey. Get a monkey!
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 